This episode of Beyond is brought to you by Forhims.com. F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. Beyond. Oh my God. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hey. Oh, it works now. We did it. Uh, welcome everybody to a very live Beyond. If you can't tell it's live, that's why everything just went wrong very quickly. Uh, that's how live things work. We're gonna have a fun time here. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Max Scoville. I'm joined today by some good friends of mine, Alana Pierce. Zach, the Whistler, Ryan. What's up, everybody's golf? And Jonathan Dornbush. Turned up shirt. Beyond. Now, uh, we planned this whole thing. The idea was like normally, you know, when we do a regular sort of weekly show, we try to talk about news and current events and what's going on in the world of PlayStation. But uh, this is a live thing, so we weren't going to do that. But then a piece of news broke. It's not PlayStation news exactly, <laughs> but it's something I think we all need to talk about. It has been announced that Jim Carrey is playing Dr. Robotnik in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. It's not a joke, it's real news. No, that's actually real news. Yeah, I just, really I'm, weird. that's like the weirdest. I didn't, I didn't bother to look at the run of show until just now. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right there, it's on uh, bullet point number one, yeah. which l lets you know that Max definitely put the show together. So, yeah. well done. Yeah. True story. Um, no, so the angle we're going for here is I want to talk about like PlayStation memories. Uh, not yeah. so much like, hey, remember that time that The Last of Us was a game? Uh, <laughs> but more like, you know, we've, I, I swear to God, we've ranked the top 10 like PS4 games like five times in a row the last time we've done live events. That's true. Um, no, I want to talk about like our moments with... <laughs> Who said do it again? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking beat it. Get out of here. <laughs> um, no, I want to talk about like our moments that we've had with, with games and like the weird special stuff, like the stuff that, you know, the, the strange moments that maybe they're like too personal, maybe it's an overshare, I don't know. Let's, let's you know, let's have a few beers and figure it out. Um, <laughs> but I want to I start things off. Um, Jonathan Dornbush. Hello. Just one, really? Yeah, just one. There we go. Thank you. Hey, no. uh, before that was we start, I, I just wanted to tell you that I really loved your God of War review. Oh, thank you so yeah. much. That was really yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, on that note, right. um, since we're talking about like sort of the, the memories of PlayStation as yes. a whole, like who could forget like the PlayStation's first mascot, which yes. was that shirtless Kingdom Hearts. That, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Crash Bandicoot. Yes, that little lovable marsupial. What kind of strange memories do you have of that orange thing? I don't know if there's, I mean, they're strange for a lot of reasons I can't go into here. Um, no, I have, a, like, Crash is sort of foundational to my love of platforming in a lot of ways, but also what gaming means to me as, like, a communal thing. This is not going to be funny, and I'm sorry. Uh, this is more oh, about shit. how, yeah. We're just, opening with this one. Yeah, so this is sorry about that. Uh, no, just Crash was... If leave, you, it, leave it to Jonathan to open on sentiment. Yes, like, yeah. yeah. I get the okay, crying out of the way first. I want you guys to know that uh, the bullet it's, points it's, I have, uh -huh. Zach, do you want to read the bullet points here? Uh, for Jonathan? For Jonathan. Yeah. What it says underneath yeah. Crash Bandicoot, PS1, uh, 1996, uh, Naughty sure. Dog. PlayStation's original mascot loves to spin, eat fruit, and have sex. 
Number two. Is, is he a drunk? He wakes up on the beach with no shirt. I figured like Jonathan would go in and delete that and write whatever he was going to write. But <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this is how no, we I land like this show. It should that was be really said. like it doesn't seem like something Jonathan would write. Yeah, I know, right? It's really it, strange. It should be said that that we were all supposed to write in our like descriptions of our PlayStation memories and such, uh, but turns out we just didn't do that. So Max uh, just went hog wild on yep. the old PlayStation memories. <laughs> so we've got a lot to share it's with you. Placeholder this text. Yeah, it is. It's it's the uh, the uh, beyond equivalent of TKTK, but uh, <laughs> Lauren Ipsen. Their memories but, yeah. you might not know you had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, Crash for me uh, playing on the PlayStation One. I've written about this on the site a little bit, so you may have read it. Uh, Playing Crash, Crash was my mom's favorite series of games, and so we would play them together. We'd pass the controller back and forth every life or every level, uh, and that was sort of one of the first times I really got into a game and really got into the idea of, like, I can collect everything in this game, and it was really with encouragement from my mom, and she loved that series so much she collected every single gem. When she would 100% the game, she would just delete the save and restart it for each of the three crashes. She was obsessed with them. Uh, yeah, I can't really speak to why, but she loved them so much, and that really started gaming for me as a social thing, as a thing that I share with my friends, a thing that's important to me on not just the level of I enjoy playing these, but they matter to me to the relationships I have. And so that happened all the time throughout PlayStation, not just with the Crash games, but I remember this is a very silly one, we'll get to more uh, licensed games later, but the Return of the King Lord of the Rings game, I played back in the day, yeah, pretty decent. I played that game, I showed it to my niece when she was like three or four years old. and she, Monster? Just, yeah, I was like, kill some orcs, but she had never played a game before and I just let her run around and fight a bunch of stuff in the game and she didn't know what she was doing, but she was having a blast and so, there have been all these moments for me with PlayStation throughout the years where I shared them. Uh, my cousin and I found a love of music playing Guitar Hero together on PS2. So it's just, Crash was sort of like the first time that ever happened for me, and I've continued to love gaming with friends, with coworkers ever since. So I, um, I've always, always played games with my mom, but she had a lot of trouble with dual sticks. Like she has a yeah. lot of trouble moving a camera and moving at the same time. And I recently played um, Crash Insane Trilogy with my mom at a convention, and she picked it up super quickly because she didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. And we were doing that same thing. This is just the last year where we were yeah. swapping a controller and my mom was playing through Crash. And I think that's one of the best things about it is that it's, it's very difficult in a way that you, if you're playing with someone, you get really invested in the challenge that is Crash. Yeah. You're like, oh, you can do it. Oh, you were so close. <laughs> and you're supporting each other, but at the same time, it's really easy for anyone to pick up. And I think that's kind of what makes Crash such a good PlayStation icon is the idea that it's wholly accessible, but not so much so that it is a kid's game. Like, I think anyone who says the Insane Trilogy was easy is crazy. Like, it was insane. It was very difficult. I think, I think that's just such a lovable thing about Crash. Yeah, there's a level of difficulty to it that if you want to explore and get every single gem and crystal and all the do all the death routes and everything, there's a lot in there. But if you're just someone who wants to play along and just try to get through it as an enjoyable sort of thing, you have that option too, which I love. So, I think it's yeah. I think it's really interesting uh, and totally apropos that you chose Crash as your memory because Crash is so emblematic of PlayStation in general, uh, and Crashes is. Kind of a dichotomous character, right? Like the first game is sort of derided now, but the trilogy itself is is held on these sort of lofty heights. Yeah. And you did our review for the Insane Trilogy last year. How has Crash aged, and what does the the reskin, like the remaster of that game, what does that impact have on you and your memories of like those original 
games and playing with your mom. Yeah, so it was amazing when I played through the Insane Trilogy for the first time, it felt like, oh, this is what I remember playing those games as. Like, this is what my memory holds those games up to. And obviously it looks so much better than those games do. We have comparisons that our lovely producer Barrett has made that show you just how different the games looked back then. Barrett's so good. He's great. Yeah. Uh, but it, the muscle memory kicked right back in, and it did bring me to a sort of emotional place having played those games so much with my mom where it was like this foundational thing for me where I had to like take a moment and I was like, oh, I remember going through the level this way and oh wow, I remember us getting stuck on that jump 30 times. And mm. those sort of memories came back because I think there's such a repetitive nature to the challenge, not in a bad way, but it takes so much like timing and trying and failing to get those jumps correct. Uh, and so having that flood all the way back didn't make it any easier, but it did bring a lot of nostalgia back. Sure. Uh, but yeah, they hold up, I think, really well. But as you said, the first game, it was sort of like a proof of concept, and then they moved on to yeah. better and better things. And I think we... <laughs> sorry, Vicarious Visions is adding a new level now. Yeah, yeah it just which, came out today. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. It yeah. is. <laughs> it's today. That, that looks really, really cool. But also, I, I was talking to them at E3, and they said how much they were focusing on making sure it still felt like Crash, but also they wanted to add a huge speed running aspect. So there was yeah. an extra level of challenge there. And it's based on levels that didn't make it. And so it's still rooted in Crash, but it's, it's kind of an evolution of that series that it seems like people have taken to really, really well. And I'm hoping we get a new Crash. Yeah, I mean, I hope Future Tense is not a one-off thing and more of a, hey, this is a proof of concept for what we can do further on from here. In the would you would you want to see like Crash stick to that original formula or would you want to see like a Super Mario Odyssey with Crash? Like a, like a gritty reboot of Crash. Like, oh, but, I mean, yeah. Like Noir? It, yeah. it would have to be in the, the right hands. Of us. Yeah, where he... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the polar bear dies in the first 30 minutes. Oh, Spoiler. man. Uh, yeah. I know, it's sad. It's a sad, serious game. Uh, no, I, I think keeping to that formula would be great. Like, I don't need Crash to go to these crazy different attempts. Like, as Activision got the license and they started making all these different games, some of them were okay, some of them were not as great. Uh, but that original trilogy, I think, is beloved for a reason. If you can nail that challenge in that style, I still think there's an audience for it. I wanted to talk a little bit about like Crash as sort of a, as a mascot for for PlayStation yeah. because like he was that dude when PlayStation first showed up he was literally driving up in front of the Nintendo offices with a megaphone and being like hey you cowards <laughs> make CD-ROM games. I, think, uh, <laughs> I, I mean I think Crash took a note out of the the Sonic textbook right like. Crash so was edgy. sort of the end. Exactly. He like, took his shirt like, off. In the, in the way that Sonic was like such an early 90s, like, oh, I've got all this attitude. Like, Crash was the same to a lesser extent in the late 90s, and I think that really helped him define, like, not only himself, but the attitude of PlayStation as... as an entity in the early or in the late 90s. It's also, I mean, it's kind of strange though, because we think of this as, as you know, used to think of this as, as like a Sony mascot, and, and Sony did publish the first Crash Bandicoot games, but then, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like Vivendi picked it up or whatever, it wound up with Activision, and now it's an Activision property that is that shows up on PlayStation first. Right. Uh, but it's weird to think like, oh, like this was the this was the root of Naughty Dog's games, which are definitively like Sony properties, and like. Crash led to like Jack and Daxter, which led to Uncharted, which led to Last of Us, and I think it's it's so cool to like look back at this awful orange animal <laughs> with, with no he's he's not he would not be allowed in a convenience store with how he's dressed, uh, and then you look at The Last of Us and you're like, oh wow, video games have grown up. Yeah, it is it is sort of a a total mind f to think about like 
where Naughty Dog started, like what they, well, I don't know how, I, can I say? A that? mind I don't know. Um, A mind it. fart? It's a mind fart. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it blows my mind to think that, that Naughty Dog started with this sort of rudimentary platformer, and now they've created some of the most like cinematic and narratively driven and emotional games of our generation. So, yeah. Well, and it's yeah. great you see the parallels. Obviously, they've stuck together for so long, but that and Spyro, and Spyro with Insomniac, and where we're seeing... Insomniac now and also where they've very been serious. The Spider Man's gonna be super gritty. Yeah, just super dark. Yeah, but just in terms of the evolution of their gameplay. I heard the polar bear dies in the first that 30 too. minutes yeah. of yeah. Spider Man. Yes. Yeah. I'll stop making serious points then. That's <laughs> no, fine. Oh, no. I was joking. We interrupt this program to bring you a brief message from Hims, a new wellness brand for men. Here's a not-so-fun fact. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and by the time you start to notice hair loss, it's usually too late. It's generally easier to keep the hair that you have than to replace the hair that you've lost, so why not do something about it? 4 is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and other stuff like that that might be embarrassing to deal with in person. Luckily with Hims, there's no waiting room, no awkward doctor's visits, and you can save plenty of time by just going to a website. Hims connects you with real doctors and gives you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and other possibly embarrassing problems. And this isn't snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements either. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. If this sounds like it would help you out, order now. Our listeners get a trial month of Hims for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details, but this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or to a pharmacy. So just go to forhims.com slash beyond. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash beyond. Once again, that's forhims.com slash beyond. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. <laughs> All right, so uh, moving things on, uh, Alana, you have a very special memory of Final Fantasy VIII. Which isn't even my favorite Final Fantasy. Oh, Zach's very excited for Final Fantasy VIII. So. I fucking love that you picked Final Fantasy VIII. No one ever picks Final yeah. Fantasy VIII. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't even Final pick Fantasy Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> it's the first That's one of my Final favorites. Since like when I saw this on the list, I was just like, that is so awesome. So my thing with so I'm I was born in '93. I started playing games on PC, and then I went to Nintendo. And PlayStation was this thing that growing up in the area I was in, with my family not having a lot of money, that I was like in my head was super idealized. I was like the kid next door has a PlayStation. And I was always so excited about it and really like interested in whatever he was playing. And so we were visiting this kid and he was playing through Final Fantasy VIII and I wasn't allowed to touch the controller. So I was allowed <laughs> to watch him play Final Fantasy VIII. He would occasionally let me fight battles in the open world, but any story beat I was not allowed to do. I was very restricted from it, but I was sitting there so eagerly being like, oh, a different kind of video game because growing up playing, well, I guess I played Age of Empires and I played a bunch of different stuff, but it looked like nothing I had ever seen before. I hadn't seen Final Fantasy VII at that point in time. So it blew my mind as one of the first RPGs I'd encountered, aside from Ocarina of Time, that I was just like, whoa, video games are so much bigger than I thought that they would be. And I had this in my head for the longest time. It was like there was this, this, this game that this kid played, and the only word that I remember from it is seed. And I just, <laughs> just remember S, that. Capital D. Seed, yeah. seed, seed, seed. And I, I, I found it, I think, maybe three years later at a rental store and bought it with, I think, my pocket money. Do you call it that in the US? Yes. Yeah. Pocket money. And I went and bought it for myself. For my, you don't? Are you lying to me? Yes. <laughs> what do you call it? Pocket money? Small, yes. portable so money? Yes, so I bought it with money that my parents... Do you mean coins? <laughs> you don't say pocket money? I, we totally said pocket with you. money. Thank you. Yeah. Who Damn says it. pocket money? What? Back on uh, good old Long Island, we said pocket money. Long Island. Long Island. All right. Yeah. Walking around town money? Anyway. Um, Paint your wagon red money. <laughs> So I bought Final Fantasy VIII, and I just remember like seeing 
the opening of that game and yeah. and getting to actually experience the cutscenes and the depth of everything was squalled by myself and and making the decisions of who was going to be in my party and what I was going to do with those weapons. It just like became this this thing that I was so attached to because it felt like something that I couldn't have for a really long time and I felt like that with a lot of PlayStation games especially PS1 games it's just like this thing that I, I, I looked up to for so long that I felt like I couldn't play and when I could it, it just completely changed the landscape of, of the games that I was going to play going forward and then I went back and played Final Fantasy 7 and then I played Final Fantasy 9 which is my favorite yeah <laughs> that's fair but it just it just had such an impact on me because it felt like it was this the secret that everyone was talking about that I wasn't allowed to have. I had a similar gatekeeping experience with Final Fantasy VIII, where no my, my friends brought it over to my house. It was the first Final Fantasy I'd ever seen, and they brought it to my house, and we played the first like three or four hours in a day, and I was like super into it. I'd never played anything like it in my mind, and I was like, this is amazing, but they said hell during it, mm -hmm. and I was raised in like a very conservative household, so I was very scared about that. <laughs> so my friend, I, and my friends could tell how nervous I was about wanting this game, but not being sure my parents would be okay with it. So my friend had to go to my dad and was like, uh, hello, Mr. Dornbush. Uh, Jonathan wants to also get this game, but there's a word they say in the game he's not sure if you'll be okay with. And he whispered in my dad's ear, like, hell. <laughs> and, and my dad was like, no. Rated T for And I team. wasn't allowed to play it back then. Yeah. But, I mean, that's an interesting point in that it feels like one of the first mature games that I played. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember how old I was, but I feel like it was one of the first games that dealt with characters who weren't cartoony and again I played Age of Empires so it's like I'm kind of just like ruling everything out but I it, it seemed like the first thing that I had played where there was a character like Squall who was exactly the kind of guy who would I would like go to his house and he'd be like you can't play my video game <laughs> like he's exactly that guy <laughs> but it was just it was uh I think the storytelling in that again like Ocarina of Time like blew my mind when I found an open world but but it was one of the first RPGs that I got really really invested in and yeah mature storytelling and, and yeah. themes that I didn't realize video games even had at that point now, thinking back to that, do you do you remember in your in your like broken human brain that that was a the perfect graphics at the time? Like, do you remember that being <laughs> absolutely like, like that's oh, what yeah. what Jonathan was saying before with Crash is that you have when you see a remaster, you're like, yeah, this is exactly what this game always looked like, and then you see the old version, you're like, Ooh. I mean, there's part of me that like thinking back to Final Fantasy VIII, I'm like, yeah, those were that was a live action game. Like, those were real, <laughs> those were real people in there. Because coming out of seven, which was like gorgeous on its own, we were like, that was you know very clearly stylized, and then eight came out, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, that's like a real fur coat. You can, so, you can see it. I, I know that, that gun is definitely real. I know that totally you're going to talk sense. about uh, you've got spoilers. Max is going to talk about his experience with demo discs, but um, that is spoilers. <laughs> Nobody was expecting Sorry. demo discs. Uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> no one ever expects demo discs. Um, <laughs> Having played Final Fantasy VII over and over and over again over the course of like the years between seven and eight, when the Final Fantasy VIII demo disc showed up, I think it was with Brave Fencer Musashi was the first time that you could get it, right? Um, I, I had this group of friends that, that we just played seven over and over and over again until we could figure out all the secrets and master all the materia and all this stuff. And when that demo disc came out, we all sat and watched it together. And that opening cutscene, I felt like it blew us away. Like I remember very distinctly, like you were talking about, thinking like video games will never look better than this. Like yeah. this is it. Like this is the pinnacle of realism in games because it was just so insane. Like the the drama and the gravity of that that opening cutscene. So I remember like a Fourth of July party at my best friend's house, uh, and he was just about to beat Final Fantasy. 
six, I guess, whatever three or whatever it's called on Super Nintendo. Nobody knows. It, it's, it's impossible it's a great to know. Mystery. I always lose track of that. Um, but no, he 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 was about to beat it at, of course, the middle of a, a goddamn barbecue, and so like <laughs> every kid in the neighborhood was just gathered into, the, into this into this room, and we're all like watching this ending. And like back then, it was like. Dude, there's like a 30 minute ending. Yeah, and it's a Super Nintendo game, so you're it's like a bunch of dudes sitting around being like watching like text scroll by, and then there's like a particle effect kind of, and to be like, oh, like that's you know that's a Final Fantasy game, and then when Seven came along, that was like, that was that changed everything. Like I remember like like hearing the beginning of a Sony or like a PlayStation trailer on TV in the living room from the kitchen, and like slipping on my living room floor to book it in there to like dive on the floor and watch a small clip of a Final Fantasy VII cutscene. Yeah. Like that level of like that leap forward from like that, you know, the weird, you know, pixel art and Final Fantasy VI is very good, but like, <laughs> come on, graphics, everybody. Um, <laughs> but like that was, that was incredible to see that. And then it's kind of nuts that it, I feel bad for eight because it does get, get that kind of like that weird. Well, I mean, so nine's my favorite, but obviously eight, Nine goes back to looking really cartoony, and I love that about it because it's like this cool fantasy game where you're with these heroes that seem like comic book characters who have tails, and it's like it's kind of ridiculous and and very. Um, I want to say it feels like a giant version of Disneyland almost. Mm-hmm. It's just so it's so sweet. Whereas eight, and you're totally right. Like it, it felt more serious than the other two in the way that it looked. And you're right. Like I feel like at that point in time, I don't remember. I was very young, but I feel like I would have just been like, "Whoa, it's never getting better." I mean, we we. Poured over screenshots in EGM, yeah. you know, like like we obsessed over this game for months when it was coming out. And I remember Final Fantasy VIII launched on nine nine ninety nine, which is the same date that the Dreamcast launched. And it was this with big, that price tag, no less. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. It's very it expensive. This, it was yeah. this big discussion, like, well, which one are you going to get? Are you going to go all in on the Dreamcast, or are you going to put your money on Final Fantasy VIII? And we were definitely in the Final Fantasy VIII camp. And it, it's really interesting because. Final Fantasy VII put JRPGs on the map in a way that that no JRPG had done it before. So there was all these eyes and all this money focused on Final Fantasy VIII, and I think it's sort of critically derided because like, how do you follow an act like Final Fantasy VII? But I personally think it's a better game and a better story. So I think that VII has so many fans because the impact it has yeah. is what people yeah. remember, and I think it's totally to its credit that it did that. You know, there are people in this office. I think Jared Petty's sitting over there. Which is your favorite? Six, right? Yeah. Five. Oh, six? So I think we had, like, when we yeah, were trying yeah. to rank the Final Fantasy games, I think you were in that meeting. It oh, was, yeah. It was intense. <laughs> There's been a couple of those, like, where you rank a game and, and it just gets it, like, turns into these shouting matches. And some of them are just like, you know what? I'll concede, but I disagree, and I want you to know that I disagree, <laughs> but it's fine. And, it, and someone sent an email after we'd done the Final Fantasy one. It was like, hey, guys, I couldn't be in this meeting, but here's why you're wrong about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a really, really It was intense. like a point-by-point like like point breakdown. Yeah. Like, I completely disagree. Yeah. So if anyone's ever wondering how much effort actually goes into our list rankings, it's like enough that there's oh, tears. Like, it's yeah. pretty, it's it's pretty great. It's the Zelda just, one was... <laughs> it's not just one person being like, this is my ranking. Yeah. It's a, a full committee and a full argument. Yeah. So, yeah. It's fun, though, but a Final Fantasy one was really really hard because so many of them have so many different merits and yeah eight for me really was the fantasy of the, of the game that I had never seen before that I had never thought existed before and I was six when it came out so Jesus it was like it was Christ, this, like I'm huge old. deal to me and then I went and played seven. seven and and it was it was that same thing right mm-hmm. why well, seven was just like if, if that had been my first it would have been the same thing it just yeah. changes every video game you play after that and shapes everything you ever see ever again is there a moment from eight that really like sticks out to you because oh, like the opening Final cutscene. Fantasy, it's totally yeah. the opening cutscene. okay that was yeah. the moment that I was just like 
what is this? I really love the conflict between the two gardens where you have the, it's like a, f like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the, the, the it's like a full FMV, but you control, your, well, not FMV, but you control your character yeah. as he's like flying through, Squall, as he's flying through yeah. the battle sequence. That's something that you never would have thought could happen. I, yeah. yeah, like that, that whole game is filled with those moments where you're like, I just, I can't believe this is in a video game. Yeah. yeah. I feel like uh, there's that thing about Mario Kart's where it's like your first one is your is your your favorite. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think it, with Final Fantasy, there's like there's some where it's like nobody's like, I, maybe somebody out there is like, yeah, 13 is my first Final Fantasy game. I love it. Like no. Like, who's oh, saying? Who's Jonathan? Jonathan. That was that's me. Yeah, hey, first you, that was yeah. your favorite though. No. no. <laughs> okay. Well, exactly. Even you get it. Yeah. No. But like it's, it's I, I think 13 it's, three. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Once you get through the, the first revenge, two games, revenge it, it returns. <laughs> Um, but no, it's like it's also kind of like Beatles albums. Like there's a stretch where they're just like you can't pick the best one. It's just it comes down to personal taste, and I don't know. Do you like goofy, spiky hair? Or do you like? I like the realistic? idea of like if we had way more time and this was a very different show that we would just kind of like sort the Final Fantasy games into the D and D morality ranking. Yeah, <laughs> you can just do that. <laughs> Final Fantasy VIII is like, chaotic good. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah. yeah. That's a, that is a different conversation. Um, and there's we'll something be here you touched all night. on. Uh, Zach spoiled my whole thing about demo discs. I'm sorry, I didn't know that it was like that big a secret to you. Like, oh, I apologize. People, people were like, "Oh yeah, so PlayStation I'm, memories." I, I've heard a lot of people talk about demo discs. What is Wh this? Oh, what? Man. Holy oh, shit! Oh, okay, okay. Whoa. So something you you said I want to touch on. You said like I was we were poor and I didn't have a PlayStation. Okay. Like a PlayStation was an expensive thing when you were a kid. If yeah. you like, it's an expensive thing now. Like depending on what you do, like. So, that's video games are a luxury, and if we are able to play them, that's huge. I grew up poor. I had a single mother. It sucked. I wanted to play PlayStation all the time, and I eventually got a PlayStation. But games cost money too, and then I was kind of like, "Oh, well, shit." So I played the shit out of demo discs. So yeah. I know what yeah. they are, but how do you how do you get them? You buy a magazine. Yeah, yep. they came with. Uh, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. OPM. Yeah, um, or you just would come up on them. Uh, weirdly enough, there is. I think it's like archive.org has. In browser emulated demo discs. <laughs> I'm not even oh, joking. Jesus. I was, oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I booted one up. It doesn't run very well on a laptop. So but. in Australia, we got free games in cereal boxes. Um, I didn't know that this wasn't a common thing until Corey, the director of God of War, was tweeting about it. He was like, "Is this real?" Good he was pal. like, "Yeah, good yeah. pal." Uh, I didn't. I had no idea. But yeah, we would like. I I got Age of Empires in a cereal box. It was Are you like sure this your memory is about Age of Empires? I, yeah. I feel like. Can we talk about Age of Empires? <laughs> You guys remember all those cheats? Those were good. Nah. Yeah. No. Oh, uh, really? No. I never played that game. I derailed yeah. your conversation. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So you got you got full free That's games fine. in Zero. We got like Chex Quest. No, yeah. we we got parts of parts of games. So, so, okay, so I you imagine got, you got we shareware. got demo. You got discs. shareware. I think is that maybe like shareware was like a piece of it. You'd get like the first episode of Doom, whatever yeah, that means. Of. Yeah. You don't. It was the full version. Are you kidding me? I didn't know that. That sucks. We'd get like you'd get You're right. Yes. <laughs> so like demo disc, you'd get like a sampler. It was like a I don't know. You'd get like a bunch of little bits and pieces. It'd be like the first level of Spyro. First level of Croc. Exactly. Yeah. Tomba. I, I played the shit out of the Tomba demo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tomba one is funny. Ape Escape two. Like, one guy stuff fucking loves Tomba. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Shout out to Tomba. It is Tomba. Um, uh, Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk was a big yeah. one. I want to talk about a different skateboarding game that nobody Ooh. remembers. I don't think. Oh, please say Thrasher. It's Thrasher. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about Thrasher Skate and Destroy. Yes, dude. Which was the, it was a Rockstar published skating game. 
I have never played the full version of this game. <laughs> Why played, would you need to? We played a demo of it religiously because it was the most broken and psychedelic thing I've ever encountered. Um, this is a game, it's a skateboarding game, but the whole idea was because it was Rockstar published, they wanted to be much more edgy than Tony Hawk, which apparently was, I don't know, too vanilla or something. So it was like, the whole thing was you would have time to skate, there was like a story mode, and then the second you, I think if you like, if your time ran out for skating or you did enough damage to yourself by falling off your board, and it had like very violent ragdoll physics, uh, a policeman would chase you for skateboarding in the, the quad or wherever the hell you were. And it would switch from like normal sort of skateboarding third person view to the point of view of a policeman's taser chasing after you. <laughs> and you had this weird out of body experience where you'd have to skate away from the cop. And it would be, the whole soundtrack for this was like classic hip hop, it was awesome. Was it um, before or off the bully? Uh, before Bully. Oh, this before. Was so I, yeah. I yeah. imagine some of Bully was inspired by it because that happens in Bully a bunch. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, that actually makes a ton of sense now. Um, but basically, it was like, it was, hey, here's the edgy version of skateboarding games. And uh, I love that they're like, oh, this needs to be edgy, but around the same time, they came out with a table tennis game. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. What are you doing? Know. That was the thing that, I don't know. Table dr- tennis is an important sport. It's yeah. also very edgy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Known as being edgy. True. Yeah. So the thing with Thrasher, though, this, this demo we had, I don't know, it, we, I think it came with like, you know, PlayStation Magazine or whatever, but uh, we had it and it was like, if you, if you landed a jump wrong, you would go into the ground and you would fly through space and you could get like infinite points. And so we had a whole new meta game where it was like, you're not just a skateboarder, you are a skateboarder who can go into other dimensions. <laughs> like, like, and I'm like, maybe this is a skateboarder who's on mushrooms or something. I don't know the story here. And it, there was no logic. We, I mean, we, just, we were effectively like QA testing with nobody caring or watching. Like, we were like, let's try to break this game. And we'd, we'd, you know, hit a half pipe and go flipping up. And you wouldn't even be, like, the ground. You'd go, you'd, like, touch a wall. And then you'd be, like, ollieing through this infinite void. (laughs) And you'd somehow still manage, like, you'd be flying through nothingness. And you'd be like, ugh! And then this cop hand would show up. And it would be chasing you through space. (laughs) Hey, hey, kids, stop! You're under arrest! Oh, and then I think if you like outskated him, he'd be like, "Oh, I'm having a heart attack because <laughs> it was like, hey, I get it. Yeah, screw you, cops. Oh, just come some kind of like awful, fucked up like uh, skateboard fever dream. It was uh, it was a bizarre like nightmare game. Yeah. Like, I mean, apparently it's a decent enough game. Like, it's got I think it got uh, I think IGN gave it like an 8.5 out of 10, and they were like, yeah, it's like a grittier Tony Hawk. And I was like, okay, it was who reviewed it? Was that was that you, Fran? Fran, did you review <laughs> Thrasher? He, he, went, he, he went, left. He totally went home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was like that's that's the thing about demo discs, though, is that like you didn't have like maybe you had a brand new game and you powered through it, and you played it, but if you didn't, then it was like I don't know, you make the most of it. You, you screw around, you play like stupid little mini games. You play the first level of Tomba a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think demo discs are really they're like they're wonderful, and it's it's bizarre now to look at them because if you're I don't know if you're broke, there are free to play games. Yeah. And you can yeah. get a lot of mileage out of those without actually having to shell out money. And there's PlayStation Plus where you pay the price of one game a year and you get a bunch of free ones that maybe you want to play. I mean, a lot of my favorite gaming memories as a kid are. Because my family didn't have a lot of money, in a way that like every game someone else was playing, I was like, "What is this?" And I played a lot of games that I had gotten from rental stores. Like we just rented them for a small period of time, and then I play them, and they'd often have someone else's save on them. And I think that's that's the thing that I kind of miss in a way that I would sort of learn something about someone else based on what the name was that was attached to their save file and the things that they had done and the choices that they had made. And that's like a thing that we just kind of don't get Who anymore. is this yeah. ass? <laughs> <laughs> what does he care about? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really sweet. And, and you could also just like jump around people's video games. And that, it's also one of my worst memories ever is someone deleted my save file on Mario Tennis 64. Oh. Um, and I was on the final 
tennis match. I don't, I don't know yep. what, how you it's quantify that. I was very upset about it. But it's, it's kind of like a, a thing that we don't have anymore is that ability to sort of investigate what someone else had done via their save file or... I think that's so, that's the root of some of what got people in like let's plays or streams and stuff is like you're it's still that that sense of being like on the couch or this is almost like kind of like voyeuristic aspect to it of like oh how does somebody else approach this problem yeah. but you know end of the days like video games are like very like they're they're very strange little personal experiences where you you borrow into this other world and you are suddenly an orange bandicoot with no shirt. <laughs> Well, I, I think like demo discs were such a specific time and a place too, right? Like that doesn't exist now. It, the idea of an actual demo has only recently been kind of brought back to the limelight. Mm -hmm. uh, for a long time, we just didn't have demos of games. But I, I like not unlike you, I remember getting demo discs in PSM or or OPM and playing through them and just being completely enamored in the idea that you could play an hour of one game and decide whether or not you wanted to investigate it further or if it was good enough like you just play the same thing over and over again if you were bored like yeah, or if yeah. it was terribly yeah. broken you know whatever. yeah yeah <laughs> I'm, sure. i miss that aspect of demos so much because i bought and had so many amazing experiences because of a demo whether it was a disc or i rented a game from blockbuster for a week but something of that nature of like bioshock's one of my favorite games of all time i yeah. i wasn't gonna play that game it's a good game uh, I wasn't going to play that game until I played the demo, and I was hooked immediately and had to go buy the full game. There were so many games before that that I played on demo discs. That's how I experienced Tony Hawk for the first time. All those games, and it's sort of like You a should play Thrasher. It's better. Thrasher? <laughs> <laughs> Got an 8.5. Um, it should be great. No, there is a. There is definitely, I, I want to say, like the best demo disc, which is Metal Gear Solid 2. Metal Gear Solid 2 is good. I, I argue yeah. that the demo disc for Metal Gear Solid 2 is like a top five Metal Gear game. So, uh, <laughs> it's just like, a, it's, just, it's just a riddle wrapped it's, in a conundrum. That's like. just ground zeros. Yeah, that's but, true uh, too. It's, what, do you get the start of the game with the demo disc? So it was like a weird kind of, it wasn't even the full tanker mission, but it came with Zone of the Enders and everyone's like, Zone mm -hmm. of the, Hideo Kojima's making a game about robots in Mars. That's cool. And then we're like, it comes with the first part of Metal Gear Solid 2 and everyone's like, get to the store! We need to get this right now. And uh, at this point, I had a PlayStation 1, but I didn't have a PS2. So my best friend, uh, uh, had his PS2, and we spent the entire summer of 2001 just just doing the worst things in that tanker. Like it was like, oh, uh, you've got a tranquilizer gun, you can shoot smiley faces into guards' faces, or you know you can shoot their radio off and they can't call their friends, so you just chase them around and torture. It was we were 14 or whatever, you know. Yeah. But like that whole that weird little microcosm of that of that tanker mission is phenomenal. It's it's amazing, and it's I don't know. It, it's I love Metal Gear Solid 2. I think it's great. I still think the tanker mission is like it holds a more special place in my heart because we spent we were forced to spend more time in that like enclosed area. Mm. Anyway, and, like is that not kind of like maybe what they were trying to do with Ground Zeroes? I think it's totally what it's they were like. They're like, about, let's yeah. give you a sandbox, and I played through Ground Zeroes like six times, and it's yeah. like, let's give you that, and you just do whatever you want with it, it and then you'll get the you full mechanics. game. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there were definitely some fair comparisons. There was also a demo for the first Metal Gear Solid, which was like just up to the like up until you get in the tank hangar, which was the same deal, where it's like here's. Here are all the bits and pieces of the of how you play these games. Right. Uh, speaking of Metal Gear Solid One, uh -huh. Zach, do you want to talk about? Actually, why don't you read some of these uh, bullet bullet points here? <laughs> Going back to the bullet points. So my PlayStation memory is about the original Metal Gear Solid. Um, Max, thank you. Uh, Max wrote some notes here. Uh, he said, uh, "I love the parts where the dogs pissed on me, and I fell in love with them because I reeked of piss." <laughs> True. Also, if you run into the bath bathroom fast enough, Meryl isn't wearing pants. 
And I'll, I'll start this story by saying, my name is Zach Ryan, and I'm a tactical espionage pervert. <laughs> if you're all at all confused, those are things that you can do in that game. That's yes. true. Yeah. Uh, so the original Metal Gear Solid is a very, very special game to me. I think it, it's sort of the pinnacle of uh, the PlayStation 1. Um, and for me personally, it was a game that taught me that games can be so much more than just a video game. And uh, the way that it all kind of started was that I, I had a buddy in high school or in middle school. He had, uh, he had Metal Gear Solid, and for months, he brought the uh, instruction manual to class. And I would just read through the instruction manual over and over again, and I did chores until I could afford to buy my own copy. Uh, and so when I finally money? did, what's that? With pocket money? Uh, with pocket money, yeah. Actually, I, I, I messed up. I didn't actually buy the, my own copy until later, because first I had to convince my parents to let me rent it. Mm -hmm. um, so I rented Metal Gear Solid, and I started playing it one night, the night that, that I brought it home from the rental store. And I played it for a couple hours, and I realized, holy shit, I can't do anything until I finish this game. And it dawned on me, like it gave me the idea at 12 years old that I, I needed to skip school to finish this game. And when you're 12 years old and you're a square like me and you do everything by the book, um, the idea of skipping school, lying about skipping school was this Herculean task that I had never actually like considered before. So I, I, I thought about like what would Solid Snake do here and I came up with a plan. <laughs> So my plan was I had, to fake, I had to fake <laughs> sick better than anybody has ever faked sick before. So the next morning, after I decided that I needed to play this game, uh, I woke up and I, my, my parents' house has two restrooms and I went into the, like, the, the spare restroom and just did this for like 15 minutes. Like just faked like I was puking until my mom came and was like, are you okay? And I was like, ah, I think I'm really sick. I think I gotta lay down. And so I went back into my room where I just like, just feverishly rubbed my forehead. Just, just trying to convince anyone that I had a temperature. And she came in and she like felt my head. She's like, yeah, hey, you, you kind of feel hot. I don't know. I was like, I've done, I've done it. I've convinced the parents that I'm sick. Um, she's like, it seems like maybe you should stay home from school today. I was like, fuck yeah, it does. <laughs> I got shit I gotta do, lady. Sounds like uh So... <laughs> so... Mom leaves to go to work. My dad, my dad started work super early when I was a kid. Like 5 a.m. he was at work. So I had a 12, 13 inch uh, uh, TV VHS combo in my room that I played all my games on. But that would not do for Metal Gear Solid. I needed the full experience of the 37-inch tube TV in the living room. So I disconnected all my shit, I took it out to the living room, I hooked it up, and I was just fucking playing Metal Gear like it was going out of style, just so into it. And what I didn't know was that my dad occasionally came home for lunch. So it's like 11.45 in the morning, and I'm playing Metal Gear in my underpants, and my dad just walks in, and I was like, what? Nothing, what? <laughs> Everything is fine. And he's like, yo, did, did you fake sick to play a video game? And as a 12-year-old kid, I couldn't lie to him. I'm like, yeah, I did. 
And he goes, well, okay, you, you've rented this game, give it back to me, I'm gonna run it by Blockbuster on my way back to work, like you can't play this game anymore, to which I just lost my shit. And I was like, please, dad, you can't play this game, you don't understand, I've broken into the military base and I tried to break the woman out of, I tried to break the woman out of jail and they tortured me and I think she's dead and I have to save her, if I don't save her, I ran into a sniper in the woods. He gave me the legitimate like Homer Simpson into the bush like backup, like where he's just like, <laughs> Yeah, okay, man, do whatever you got to do. <laughs> and allowed me to finish Metal Gear Solid before he took it back to Blockbuster. And to me, like, finishing that game, seeing the cast list, like, getting through to the end of it was such an eye-opening experience because it was, like, for the first time ever, I felt like, oh, this is the future of video games. Like, this is the first time that I've seen something that is really more than just a game. Like... You know, yes, I really Final fucking love that game. Yeah. <laughs> I really fucking love that game. To this day, I think it's still one of the best games ever made. No, totally. Yeah. That was that was like my kind of my first like. I mean, I love video games. They were they were they were cool, but there wasn't like that like. What is, is this? The next thing? Is this where stuff's going? Is this the future? Um, I got kicked out of the computer lab at summer camp because I kept going on IGN.com and watching yeah. the Metal Gear Solid Two trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Shalashaska has descended. Yeah, no, it was great. It took forever to load it up on like. It's like a postage size uh, like video. Yeah. yeah, it was like a yeah, 240 quick, time, quick time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was that was not great. Um, yeah, Metal Gear Solid One is a fucking. Who's your favorite boss? Oh man, uh, Revolver Ocelot is not without his charms. Like the first Revolver fight, I think my favorite boss is uh, uh, Sniper Wolf in the snowfield. Uh, that cutscene at the end when you defeat Sniper Wolf and she talks about her past and Snake just shoots her in the head at the end of it was something that I that that was a moment for me that it was just like I fucking can't believe this is a video game like this is so absolutely insane that I'm watching and playing through this story in a, a video game like, it's, it's, yeah. it's a lot it's it's pretty intense and you can get the foxes to the, the wolves to piss all over you yeah they sure do Apparently. yeah oh, right. with you i spent the whole summer beating that game over and over again and just reeking of wolf piss so <laughs> nice. yeah it was great yeah uh, i'm gonna jump out i think uh who do we have next barrett is barrett up next young barrett Woo! let's welcome barrett courtney all right Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know Barrett Courtney, he is frequently behind the scenes running the studio for Beyond, but he's... Beyond. Beyond. Yeah. Beyond. There it is. Hello there. Hey, Barrett. Hi, How Barrett. How you doing? How you doing? I'm, I'm all right. What did, you, what did you prepare for us today? Yeah, I just what? saw your pick, and I just want to say <laughs> unexpected. Yep. Really, not is it really it. unexpected? I, I, I like Barrett. I know Barrett's for a good guy. loving Donkey Kong 64. Who loves Donkey Kong 64 here? <laughs> it would be really funny if you were like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, so, are you really surprised after loving that trash, like me bringing in? Also, we've played these at his oh. desk. Yeah, we did. So, my segment is uh, PS2 licensed games, and so I, I grew up uh, really like middle school, early mid 2000s, and so I grew up with the PS2. That was my first PlayStation console, and you know we didn't get all the fancy like we didn't get Shadow of the Colossus or anything because I, I was a dumb kid from the Midwest. So you were a kid. Yeah, I was I was a kid. So I loved the things that I knew, which were games like Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup. Woo! Yeah. I played I played a lot of that game. It's and, great. Okay. 
so Barrett and I had like bonded about this game. Um, I don't know why I played it, but we bonded <laughs> about it recently, and then he decided to play it in the office, and we were like, oh no. Yeah. It does not hold up. Jonathan and I played a match against each other, and let me tell you, that game is uh, not not great. It's a lot of just stealing from each other. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It's, and it's mind blowing when you you think about it, like you go through like the rose scented glasses, and you go back and you're like, man, there are so many great mechanics, and like, you know, there are so many different things you had to focus on. It's like, nah, you're just focusing hey, on the clock. There are two hole. buttons. Yeah. Friendly reminder, Quidditch is a terrible sport, and J.K. Rowling Whoa, is a game Tom designer. Marks I think <laughs> is not going to be happy no, about that. I, I think I have the authority to fire you, so get out. That's <laughs> don't. true. That's how that works. You already turned off my mic. What else do you want? <laughs> that wasn't my fault, maybe. I don't know. Um, so, so, yeah, just going through the general era of PS2 license games, the other one that I love is uh, Tony Hawk's Underground. Hell yeah. Uh, which was... Thank you. Was the first one I owned. I, I played like uh, Pro Skater 3 and 4 at friend's house, and then Thug had come out, and I was like, Mom, please get me this game. She's like, All right. Um, and so I played that. Probably, it's probably still to this day one of my most played games of all time. I probably have at least 100 hours in that game, just going back and doing all the different levels and just. Just playing around with friends. That was I, like I remember having to explain to my parents with Thug and Thug 2 that it wasn't a game about being a thug. thug. And to be like, no, it's, it's it's Tony Hawk. He's it's it's just a skateboarding game. Yeah. And I took it, my sister and I had to like convince my parents actively that it wasn't going to be us beating people up. And then there's totally cutscenes where that happens. And I was like, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, it was the it's the perfect like. When you're having friends over for a sleepover and you just want to play a game like the entire night, that was like the game to play of like what's the highest combo we can get and stuff like that and making the goofiest characters. I remember, I think it was Iron Man who was like the guest character on Thug specifically. Thinking Thug, yeah. It, it was Iron Man and one of the members of Kiss because Kiss Ooh, had a yes. specific in secret level of yeah. in the first Tony Hawk's Underground, which is very weird. Um, had nothing to do with the story and the lore, and I was very confused as a middle school child. Uh, the uh, next yes, one I have story and lore of Thug. <laughs> Quick question: How did how did a member of Kiss showing up in a Tony Hawk game make you feel as a as a twelve year old? Very confused. I remember <laughs> just being uncomfortable as hell about. Yeah, Kiss. Yeah, I was uncomfortable. It, it was like this band, and there was no one at the concert. It was just a concert just for oh you. Oh my god! I just around. remember that in my yeah, head. Yeah, right it was I'd super that, weird. Like, oh god, there, it was, was just you level. skating around. There was no one, and Kiss is just playing. You're like, all right, I guess. Like, uh, I guess I'll just skate around while they played. Do you think Kiss paid them? Or the yes. Other way around? Like, who paid who? Ooh, Kiss inclusion. Yeah, Get to Kiss the bottom of this. That. I want. Yeah, I want y'all to go down deep into the internet and find this. Or Tony Hawk's just a big fan of like Ben. Maybe. Is there yeah, one maybe. single? Maybe. It's a deep cut for Kiss. Yeah. Uh, the next one I have is a classic, Bad. which is, you know, like I, I have my story with, uh, with my mom didn't really know much about games, but she knew Grand Theft Auto, and she knew I was not allowed to play Grand Theft Auto. So, yeah, middle school, early, or like late elementary school, no. But I was able to convince her on Simpsons Hit and Run. <laughs> Because she loves Simpsons, that was like her show, and that's like the show that she got me into. So she was like, okay, it's like a dumb Simpsons version of it. Like, okay, and then I'm running around as Bart hitting everybody and uh, hitting the Bumblebee Man and all that stuff, and they're doing really weird stuff with uh, Mr. Burns is like investigating and spying on people. It was a really yeah. weird story. I would take a remake of it, though, in a heartbeat. Well, when that <laughs> game came out, it's one of the first games I remember being hyped up. Like, sure, I played Thug and I played 
Quidditch. And I remember like being like, this is cool. But I remember like that was one of the first games aside from Final Fantasy that I, I remember kids at school being like, yo, have you played Hit and Run? It's like GTA, but there's donuts. And everyone yeah. was just kind of losing their minds. Like it, it was... People loved that game. It, and I played it, I was able to borrow my best friend's GameCube a few years back when I was living down in San Jose and he had Hit and Run and I got to play Hit and Run for the first time, I guess, in like 13 years. And it was like, there's some aspects definitely that don't hold up just because it's the PS2, GameCube, Xbox era, but it was still like, man, this, this is definitely a gem for this generation. So we were lucky to get it. Because, uh, you know, the other Simpsons games, like Road Rage, were not great. We don't talk, about those. We don't we don't talk, talk about those games. There have been a lot of really bad Simpsons games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah they, I think that's, is that, is that the best one? Yes. Hidden Run with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. What about, what about Tapped Out? Uh, get out. No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't have the patience to even talk about that. Uh, and then the, the next game, really quick, before we get to the main, like, big one that I really love. The one that's surprising to me. Yes. Um, <laughs> is Star Wars Battlefront 2. The original, yeah. the original one. And I think to this day, that is probably the game that I put the most hours into, at least... 300, 350 hours into, just because of going, like, they had the cool mode where, I think it was Conquest, where it was almost like chess, where it was like you against, like, whatever your enemy was, if you were, like, the, uh, the Republic, it would be the Separatists on the other end, and you'd go, like, uh, you'd choose a planet, and then you'd do, like, a whole battle, and then whatever came of that would own that planet, and there was, like, not just the story mode, but there was this whole, like, really cool mode to it that I that I invested so so much time in but yeah the original Star Wars Battlefront 2 pretty great and not a lot of microtransactions None, in fact. I just want to point out before you move on that Max has written on the dock here um, instead of thug he wrote I Tommy think, I think Barrett should read it too. so so Max put down in the notes of uh, of, of my games uh, Barrett is 12 uh, he loves Harvey Popper and Tommy Honk prostate 2 <laughs> You didn't read the first one. I didn't read the first one because <laughs> now we're going to transition oh. into the, the main one, which is SpongeBob Battle. SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> which Max wrote here as Spongers Squaresoft. <laughs> Everybody loves Spongers Squaresoft. Yes, it's, yes. My, it's my favorite Squaresoft game. <laughs> so I really love SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, that was like, that came out when I was like four or five years old. And that was actually like, that was something that was brought into my life because of my dad. Because my dad was in early or late high school when Ren, Ren and Stimpy was a thing. Mm. So a lot of that really weird, grotesque humor that a lot of early SpongeBob had, he was super into. So, you know, he'd go into the back yard and come back smelling funny. <laughs> and then we'd watch SpongeBob SquarePants for a half hour on Saturday mornings when it only aired for Saturday mornings. My you know? favorite thing about SpongeBob, like seeing it as an adult, is those cuts in, cut-ins that they have where their faces are disgusting. Yeah. yeah. There's like snot oh, yeah. everywhere and they're covered in pimples and you're like, I just thought he was a sponge. <laughs> I didn't know he had those. And so Battle for Bikini Bottom is legit the best SpongeBob SquarePants game to this date because, you know, there's not a lot of great ones, to be honest. Uh, but that one was legit a really solid 3D platformer and looking back at it like I didn't know developers and paying attention to the quality of 
THQ back then. Uh, and so it's weird to go back and see the people who were working on the game. They came out with a pretty solid game that had a lot of like Crash Bandicoot influence, where the, you had these tiki heads that were sort of like the the boxes that you'd have to smash. Yeah, in. for our Aku Aku. Yeah, and there's even like the red ones where you have to jump on top and they'd count down and whatnot. And if you hit it, like it would explode immediately and all that stuff. And it was a really fun, solid 3D platformer. And yeah, it's it's goofy and I love it. And there's really dumb goofs in there and yeah. your health bar was underpants. <laughs> Licensed games weren't always the most original in like their gameplay mechanics, yeah. but when they were really solid, I remember playing that. I uh, my cousins had Battle for Bikini Bottom, and so I never owned it, but it was that sort of thing where I would be like, hey, when are we going to see the cousins again? Because I really want to play it. Like, <laughs> it was at a time where my parents were like, you have enough games, we're not going to buy any. I'm like, are we having dinner again at Thomas's? Like, yeah, we got to go, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I loved playing that game. And it, it's sad because, you know, a lot of these games, like, we can sort of pick up on Steam or something, and I did a lot of investigative work today specifically for Battle for Bikini Bottom, because we have a library of like a bunch of old school games of PS2. I did investigative work. You were just looking <laughs> up a game you like. <laughs> uh, like we have our sort of library of like old school games, did and you? I swear, I go in there every other day to look for Battle for Bikini Bottom, and we don't have it. We have the other three on the PS2, which have are Have I ever told there. you the definition of insanity? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was worried that you, I, I messaged Barrett at like 9.30 this morning and I was like, hey, uh, I'm going to need you to capture an entire playthrough of Battle for Bikini Bottom. We need it for B-roll. I can't find any good clips online. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm glad uh, you do that every day, I guess. That's crazy, but yeah. whatever. And uh, I, I looked up because I was like, okay, maybe, maybe we can bring it into the office. Maybe I'll just order it on Amazon. And right now, the Amazon pricing for the PS2 version of SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom is $80. Yeah. GameCube, $100, and then Xbox, like, 40 It was very weird. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know why that's so, less rare. I might have some insight onto this. Um, uh, Mark Medina, who had to actually take off early, unfortunately, but who helped organize this whole thing, uh, yes. informed me that that is a huge game for speedrunners. Yeah. Like, yeah. it is in the top 10 speedrunning titles. Which is very weird. Is it the only <laughs> licensed game on there? I don't I, I looked Probably. at the list and I was too out of it to really, really pay attention. I've been That's, out of it for the last week, so. No, I mean, I think it's Where like D3. It. <laughs> You'd used all your investigative resources. Yeah, I, I, I used all Just the brain power, which is not a lot. It's really yeah. like five minutes worth of brain power. And one research, and then you went to the games seven. library to look for Bikini Bottom yeah. games to make sure it wasn't under nicely. Um, I mean, I went to the Xbox section. I went everywhere to find <laughs> this game. I went we everywhere. Just, yeah, I know. So I've not played this or any other SpongeBob mm. games. What are, they, what are the others like? I have. I remember playing the movie, the the movie, uh, the game for the movie, uh, and it was like a very like constricting, uh, narrow platformer, sort of like not akin to the very first three Crash Bandicoots, but yeah. it's kind of like that, where it's very constricting. But the thing that made Battle for Bikini Bottom special is because they were so open, you could sort of do whatever you wanted, and the controls were very like. They felt like a Crash Bandicoot game almost. I, I know that's it's just the one game I played recently yesterday yeah. when we were playing that new level that I was like, this is what I know right now. Um, what was the battle about? What are they battling? Who's so battling? Do you have to the play story, the other ones? The story and the, the lore story of SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom is uh, Plankton, you know, he's up to his business God. and he's trying to get the secret <laughs> formula for the, the Krabby Patty. On and brand? he decides to make an army of robots to accomplish that somehow. And at the very beginning, I think it's like the first cutscene, he's got like a, a switch that says, like, 
the robots work for me or they work against everybody and it somehow gets switched to the other thing and then the robots just go insane and attack everybody so like plankton's in trouble and everybody's in trouble and then there's like the big boss fights for every sort of world there are like three worlds and then levels for each one and at the end of one there are like the big robot versions of spongebob patrick Ow. and plankton yeah, it was really weird. I don't know how they organized and they're like coordinated that well. Of like, hey, we know these characters somehow, and we're gonna create huge models of them in our, our robot forms. So, yeah. Inspired by Evan Gillian, I see. Yes. What? <laughs> I I love that you just gave a synopsis of a, a SpongeBob PS2 game to a room full of people. Thank you all. It's very operatic for you bring back. Um. All right, well, I think that's enough of my nonsense. I, b I believe we have someone else coming on, uh, which is uh, Casey DeFritis, who will be yeah. talking about Woo. some games. Barrett, thank you very much. Hey, Barrett. Hi, Casey. Welcome. Hello. I hope I didn't hit that table too hard. <laughs> Again. <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Max Goval. I like Hawaiian shirts. And Casey DeFritis! For anyone who doesn't know Casey, she works on our Wiki's team. And if any of you do know Casey, I think that you're going to be able to guess exactly what she's going to be talking about. Who can guess? You guys okay. nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I didn't play a whole lot of online games. The first game I played online was Monster Hunter for the PS2 in 2005, a little bit after it came out. And it was back when we had DSL. <laughs> I like your microphone. Thanks. <laughs> it's funny um, because this exact thing happened at the PlayStation press conference this year. We're just, we're just following suit from Sony. I, yeah. It's fine. It happens on live shows. Tell us about the Monster Hunter, Casey. All right. So it was my first online game, and being kicked off the middle of Oh, oh, oh no. no. It's not working. Do you want to oh, use this one? You got to it. I don't have you anything to say right now. It. So. It's fine. Honestly, and I don't need a microphone. You're talking about Monster Hunter. Go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you're good, you're good. I, I like the, no, the idea that you have two microphones for Monster Hunter, though. <laughs> um, if any of you have played Monster Hunter, some of the fights could take 30, 40 minutes long, and getting materials was really difficult and time-consuming, so getting kicked from an online battle was terrible and awful, and I hated it. And back then, if you answered the phone while on an <laughs> online game, <laughs> you would get kicked. You would get kicked from the game if anyone answered the phone while you were playing. So I would wait for my parents to go to bed at 10 and then take one of the mobile phones and just hold it in my lap while I played to immediately cancel the phone call to make sure that my parents didn't answer the phone and then stay up until 4 in the morning so I could play Monster Hunter because that was the only time I could play that would guarantee <laughs> my parents not kicking me off the internet. <laughs> Kids today have it too easy. We went through some you difficult stuff. About that. You don't have to hide all the phones from your did, parents, which I also tried and got yelled at for. <laughs> did you so ever have to deal with late night calls that accidentally happened? Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh. It was the, I would always get mad. It's like, why would you answer the phone? It's like, why are you awake at two in the morning, Casey? It's like, <laughs> I had monsters to hunt. So when you were a kid, were you playing games online with people that you like went to school with? Who were you playing with? So I was playing with my very good friend back then and a bunch of friends that we had made online. Okay. So they, we would go to the same, it was a maze of rooms back then, of servers, and you would have to go to a world and then go to a 
room Still and not that number. simple so <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um so we would go to the same place every day so i would go to a room and then all of the people i had i knew online would also go to that room so we kind of had a continuous group that we'd always play with and always expect to be online and it was really awesome i would have my keyboard and I have my PS2 controller, and they didn't have character limits back then because there was no voice chat. <laughs> so you would type and talk to these random people, and they would teach you how to headlock, and it was great. I, I was gonna like ask about that because that was a that was a necessary peripheral for that. Like I was actually there was I was reading the. It's really really weird to read old IGN reviews for stuff that now is sort of commonplace. But they're like, yeah, if you want to get anywhere in Monster Hunter, you're gonna have to get the a keyboard. keyboard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, did you have to like convince your parents to get you a keyboard, or did you just? No, I just went, I think I was, um, I was 14 at the time. I already went to GameStop and just kind of, I, I really didn't actually buy a lot of games. I just borrowed a lot of them from my friends and very rarely I would like a game so much that I would ask for my parents to buy it for me. Monster Hunter was one of those games. So when I asked for it, they just did it. And I had, I actually asked for a keyboard as well and we found one like pre-owned at GameStop for like $15. What, like, I, I, I'm just, this was 2004, I guess, or thereabouts? Uh, yeah, I was playing, for me specifically, it was summer 2005. Okay. So, yeah, like, what, like, the internet wasn't there yet. Like, what, yeah, like, no. what was that like? I don't know, I just, I'm curious about the sort of social element there. You guys were in the Man. same, the same area hanging out, doing, getting big pieces of meat from those No, dinosaurs. you nailed it. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. That was it? The end. The, um, <laughs> yeah, no, we never, we never actually talked. We just typed the whole time, and we would sometimes actually talk about our real lives and became friends online. And I wonder if those people are watching this now and be like, is that Zaneru? <laughs> They're in Zaneru. this room right now. <laughs> so you're like, a, you're like a hardcore Monster Hunter fan like, to this day. You still are very much into that. Did you have a dip in, in your like, fandom or your, your, your playtime? Yeah, so actually, another internet challenge. Uh, I couldn't play Monster Hunter when I was in college because my, the internet, the way it was set up, I could not connect to it with my Wii. So while I lived in the dorms, I couldn't play Monster Hunter. And I just, it's one of those games I don't like playing by myself too much. So I only put in like 60 hours onto the Monster Hunter Try, because. Uh, only 60, huh? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Light on content. Basically a casual. <laughs> But I think that's an interesting question to, to get a little tangential. What were the first games that you guys played online? Yeah, Halo 2. That's a good one. Sorry, it's not PlayStation, but yeah, Halo <laughs> 2 was like the thing I played after school every day for two years with friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, I don't want to say. What? what? Can't Why say not, that Max? and then not say. Maple, Maple Story. Oh, come on. <laughs> like, everyone played Maple Story, Max. Very good, very good. <laughs> I, I think mine was Battlefield 1942 or Battlefield Vietnam, but I also played like a ton of RuneScape, and that's some of like my memories Ooh, of RuneScape. Yeah. No, I played RuneScape too. Thank you, I, thank I would you. play RuneScape in my middle school's library. Is so did I. I play RuneScape. We also played Counter-Strike. Like my oh. library oh, wow. in, in middle school had Counter-Strike on all the computers. It was a fancy library. Why? I got Neopets. Yes, uh, Neopets. Also played a lot of that. that. Neo, yeah. <laughs> that was elementary school. Yeah. I played through till a long time later. Oh man, I, I went to summer and now they're all dead, Jonathan. I know. And now all of your pets are dead. You don't have to make me think about it. <laughs> all those Nintendogs out there. I made my mom feed my Neopets when I went to summer camp. <laughs> and she did. She fed my Neopets. She was a Very good mom. Good. How yeah. good were your grades? Like what? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they were they were very good. 
Apparently, they yeah. They were so good that the first time I got a C on a report, I got grounded. <laughs> I had a very similar thing happen when I got a B on a, oh, on a no. report card. My parents basically took away my games for like a week. Oh, my they gosh. They were very upset, yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that my parents did that I really value is uh, basically video games my reward for finishing homework. And that's the thing that I've spoken to other parents about. Like, sometimes parents will come up to you at PAXs and be like, hey, my kid plays games. I'm just here because they're here. I don't really know what I'm doing. And... My, my parents always were like, well, if you finish your homework in time, you can play video games. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And I think there's like such a good reward system in that that yeah. par parents can kind of pass on to their kids. Is yeah. like, don't use it as a punishment to take them away. Use it as a reward to give them a video game. And it, yeah. it super pays off. And there's so many headlines right now about Fortnite. Yeah, so many yeah. like, children are playing too much of Fortnite and it's violent. And it's like, oh, wait, no, yeah. it's not. It's actually super cartoony. Oh, but we're mad. Yeah. They're playing too much. See, I had, I had rules. As long as I continued going to school and doing well, they were very hands-off. They were cool so you staying up So unless I was messing up, they pretended not to know that I was staying up until four in the morning. You could have been doing drugs, Casey, all right? I could have, but they knew I was hunting monsters. It's way better. Yeah. Okay. It seems like you're doing people a service. Someone's <laughs> got to get rid of them. Well, most of them just peacefully exist. It's fine. It's, it's whatever. I got, like a, really like a, messes me up. I got in like a real big fight with my mom in high school because she caught me on the computer at like not, not doing anything bad, just dicking around on Live Journal, like getting in fights with people on the internet at like four in the morning. And she's like, "What are you doing? Like, what is wrong with you?" And I'm like, "I'm fighting with people on Live Journal. This is my life, mom." And she's like, "This is this is unacceptable." And I was like, "I could be out doing drugs." And she's like, "Right? Can't you? Can you go do that? Like, do you, do you know anybody? Like, get out there." The only time I ever got yelled at, this is very tangential, for uh, staying up late for doing a thing was never for games, but it was because I was reading Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire yeah. too late. Yeah, I just wanted to do that for Barrett. I was reading so late that the light was pouring into my parents' bedroom they and they were came in and you were like, upset. you fucking nerd. Yeah. They beat you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they stuffed me into a locker that I had in my yeah. room. It was really embarrassing. Oh, no. yeah. Dude, okay, so one of my best friends, he got, he, similar thing, he got caught staying up way too late like playing games his dad walks in it's it's dawn and he's playing counter-strike his dad's like what do you go to what's wrong with you go to go to bed you, you idiot and he, he starts to leave and he turns around and he's like what are you playing anyway and he goes half-life counter-strike and his dad kind of looks and goes half-life more like no life no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also not a PlayStation game, but the one time that I got grounded, I got a world record in Project Gotham Racing. I was grounded for a full oh. week. And I was like, all right, let's fucking do this. And I, got a, I, had, I had the world record for a full month on the test track of Project Gotham Racing 3. Wow. It, was, it was a good week. My, uh, my mom told me she, would never, she never was mad at me for staying up late playing video games too much because when she was young, her dad got so obsessed playing Tetris on the original Nintendo that she would walk downstairs because he would be playing the music so loud late at night. Like, he would be playing at, like, 2 a.m., and she'd be like, Dad, I need to go to bed. Because he was playing Tetris, so she's like, I, I won't follow you. It's funny how much your family can kind of influence some of your gaming memories. Like, when I finished Assassin's Creed 2, which I still maintain is, like, one of the best endings in any video game. It's that part where it's like, who is Desmond? And you're yep. like, oh, my God. Yep. My mom came to talk to me about, I don't know, some school-related thing, and I was just like, shut up, shut up, please, can we talk about this later? Oh, my God. And you can't, you, at that point, in video games, you couldn't reload a checkpoint. Like, I didn't have the option to replay that point from the beginning of that chapter, so I just missed a whole chunk of that. And it was devastating. Uh, Back to I'm Monster so Hunter. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to actually ask you a question here. Okay. You're, you're the biggest Monster Hunter fan that I know. For anyone in this room who has never played Monster Hunter, why should they play it? Man, 
Um, Monster Hunter. <laughs> um, Monster Hunter is one of those games that I got really into because of the community. I had a friend who literally walked me through how to play and what to do and how to play it efficiently so I didn't have a bad time with it. And then when I got online and wanted to get more advanced and do better, I had other people who also wanted to take me under their wing and teach me things. And that kind of experience of community really kept me coming back. And it's one of those games that is so rewarding. Like things, it's hard, it's a hard game. But once you figure out what you're doing and learn the monster's movements and learn your weapon and do well, it feels amazing, especially when you get to do that and accomplish something with these friends that you've made and who you feel like you've been able to conquer something with them. And that's something very few games have done, given to me. And I really appreciate that it relies more on the player skill and not the character leveling up. Sure, yeah. Would you say that it's like it's challenging kind of across the board? Like I feel like a lot of games mm -hmm. are the combat and like the puzzles are challenging. But in the case of Monster Hunter, it's also just like how to yeah. be good, like how to know what you're doing, like to yeah. actually learn how to do it. You have it. to like be you have prepared. To, you have to, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like the way yeah, you, have, like to you learn. have to think about things before you do that. Yes, yeah. Monster Hunter World has streamlined that incredibly. They've given you so many quality of life improvements. Like before, you would have to remember to equip the right armor and the right weapon and the right items. Like if you didn't bring a cool drink with you in the volcano, you would then slowly die because it was hot. Um, <laughs> but in Monster Hunter World, you can just go to your tent and get those items. So it's not nearly as punishing. Any of you need tips for Monster Hunter World? Check out IGN wikis. Yeah, please do. And <laughs> Casey was here until like 11 p.m. a lot working on those wikis to the extent that we were like, Casey, go home. Why are you still here? But the monsters! <laughs> I need to hunt them. Somebody has to cut big meats out of their legs. True. Yeah, you know? someone has I to. I gotta do make it. armor. Thank you. Yeah. You're the real MVP. Uh, yeah. Casey, we're gonna swap you out for someone else yeah. who makes guides. Miranda. Who is Miranda Sanchez. Yay. mistake. So I was supposed to bring a statue up here with me that I got at Beyond 300. Which you forgot was my the statue? So we're never going to solve the puzzle to escape. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're doomed. Sorry, y'all. Is this Resident Evil? Thing. Is that what's happening no, right so, now? Uh, for those of you who don't know, that I was a fan at Beyond 300 and later got hired here at IGN, which is yeah. very exciting. Um, succeeding Andrew Goldfarb being a fan at Beyond 200, Rest I believe. Rest in peace. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, just He's carrying just on that tradition. And so I won a twisted metal statue of Beyond 300, and I have it on my desk still. I just, I just kept it. I don't like twisted metal really. I, I don't like clowns that much. <laughs> so, but no, I no. just kept it because of the sentiment. For, for context, Miranda, you're like, I, I watched a documentary on Sanrio the other day, and they were describing like exactly what kawaii is. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's Miranda. I understand it now. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you had a twisted metal thing on your desk. How many Pikachus are on top of that? Uh, it's actually nestled between some of my angry Pikachus, so I also like collecting when they look really feisty. And so like specifically those Pikachu, it's between those. Did you want the Twisted Metal statue? I have to keep it. It's like an obligation yeah. at it's this point. It's a curse. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, too. So we brought you up here to talk about your memories of Twisted something. Metal! Twisted Metal! Tell us about your oh, favorite man, Twisted Metal game. great stories. <laughs> Do you, do you like it when the, the clown's head is on fire and he ki kills the people with his truck? That's my favorite part. <laughs> How did you know? But you do have a very beloved series that you're going to be talking about. 
Yes. You Jonathan, can talk about it too, Jonathan. Okay. Just <laughs> Anyone got any guesses? <laughs> kind of. Jonathan coughed. Spiral the dragon. <laughs> it's Neopets. <laughs> we can talk about Neopets. Very in all of you. It's Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I am disappointed that I missed the Neopets conversation. We're not talking about no, Neopets can, anymore. No, we can Let's go talk back. about Kingdom Hearts. Let's go back. So Let's I, go back. I, I, I farmed. Uh, there was like a like a, a URL link that you could change, and you could get free jelly every Alana. day. Alana. Yeah. So I started this jelly we're store. We're talking about the where I was getting this jelly, and I was oh, wow. selling it to make money off of everyone else on Neopets. I don't oh. care if you were selling. And at one point, someone slime offered me on the real internet. world money. Just stop. Did you get gel. I had yes. did you take it? How much did you get? It was like twenty bucks. It was pretty rad. Remember getting that omelet? Remember paintbrushes? Okay. Super potato All right. counter? This is not. This okay, is, wait. People are literally leaving. I can see. <laughs> no, he's just got a this camera. Is, Never mind. This is still related to the PlayStation console. Nation. On the PS2 in 2005, Neopets, the darkest fairy, came out for. Why are we so, talking so about Neopets? So there is a Neopets game for PlayStation. Wow. Which I was like, was it PS2 or PS3? And like, oh, it still counts. Well, what, I did want to. What talk. was that game? The Darkest Fairy. What was it? It was a Neopets game. <laughs> like, like, what did you do in it? Uh, you took on the Darkest Fairy? Do you know, <laughs> do you know how hard it is to get me to say, can we talk about Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> I did I've it, always everybody. wanted to hear you say those words. <laughs> this guy didn't have the rainbow brush, am I right? Uh, I mean, getting the lab map is hard, but, you know, <laughs> it's fine. Kingdom Hearts. So I have here in my notes. Yes. It all Miranda. began with Sora on the Destiny Island. Do you, can you still do? Uh, you made a, a video for us one time where you just gave where I explain. Did can, that have any cuts in it? Uh, not when I spoke. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, the so Jonathan managed to like explain it. literally the entirety of Kingdom Hearts seemingly without a script. I went into a, a fever dream. No, there was no script. It was incredible. Thank you. And and people in the comments the were like, "Wow, he heart. actually knows Kingdom Hearts." I don't <laughs> remember recording it. <laughs> But it was well, bad. Yeah. It happened. Miranda, tell us about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> All right, so it's my turn to talk about Kingdom Hearts. Sorry, Jonathan. Please it's be okay. quiet. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I actually was really excited that I got to bring it up because it's something I like to share with you too, because you are such a knowledgeable fan and I know a lot about Kingdom Hearts, but not nearly as much as you. Um so my memory specifically is what got me into the PlayStation family. When I was in elementary school in fourth grade. I really, really wanted to play a Final Fantasy game, but I only had, at that time, um, my, my parents were really big on Nintendo systems, so we only had those, um, and then eventually went on to get an Xbox, and it was great, but I was like, but I want to play Final Fantasy, and I was very scared because there were so many Final Fantasy games, I did not know how to get in, and then all of a sudden, Kingdom Hearts show up, and I was like, excuse me, it has Disney and Final Fantasy, and looks like a new thing that I could get into? Um, so fourth grader me said, I need a PlayStation 2. So at our fourth grade school festival, we had an auction and someone had Kingdom Hearts and a PlayStation 2 on the auction. And then I was just like, I need to win this. But I'm a fourth grader with no money. And so I just jotted down the highest number I could. How? And then I won. You committed fraud? Wait. <laughs> Miranda! Did so, you do school auction Fraud with your parents? Like, did you force your parents to buy you this just by like? So I won it, and you stole it. No, I actually <laughs> had the money for it because I had a birthday just pass. But I was so scared because it was a lot of money that I turned it down. And then the next person got it. But then oh. that summer, I still bought myself a PS2 because I cool. saved up all my allowance and I worked really hard. And I said, Mom, Dad, I want a PS2. 
And so, thank you. My fourth grade me got that PS2 and played Kingdom Hearts, and I think that was it. So does that mean that's your first, the, the first PlayStation game that you had bought yourself? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And, so and, and what was it like, like waiting for that moment to save up for it and, and to get the console and then to finally actually be able to play it? Well, just like a lot of excitement and determination, of course, because at that point, when you're in the fourth grade, buying a console is a lot of money. <laughs> Um, yeah, dude, that's good finance. Yeah, I think uh, how did I, I think I just bought it like used or somehow. Like my parents, of course, helped a little bit, um, and I think that just the reward of like buying it your first console is just like such a powerful experience, right? And of course, it's for a game that I've just so desperately wanted to play. And then of course, I played through all of it and cried and watched the cutscene for Simple and Clean forever. Just just would have it on while I was doing homework oh, yeah. and just be really happy. And then sometimes at work now, like now that we have new Kingdom Hearts stuff happening, like I just put on a playlist, I'm just like, oh. Yeah, it's, I did that too with that game when I, I got it for Christmas with uh, PS2 was the first game I played. Uh, my whole family was downstairs, like getting ready for dinner, doing all that stuff. I brought the PS2 up to my room, plugged it into the TV, started that game up, watched the opening cutscene was simple and clean, and was like so floored and my mind was blown that I just hit reset, let it play again, reset, <laughs> and I did that like 20 times before yeah. I actually even started the game. I, I was one of those people who, um, I, and I would say the same as you, where I was like, I'm not the biggest Kingdom Hearts fan, but that's because like I'm not writing fanfic and like creating like, weird <laughs> sexual yeah, I haven't played characters. Every but I like game those games. What I do in my yeah. free time is my decision, Alana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kink shaming, it's fine. But I, uh, when I like first encountered free video editing software, I edited a uh, series of Kingdom Hearts cutscenes to a Fallout Boy song. Oh my Ooh. god. Speaking yeah. to all of my interests, which song? I don't remember. And I don't know if I still have that video. Like, I kind of want to see if I, I do. Really but that's the first that time video. that I ever remember doing video editing at all. <laughs> um, and now I've done uh, video editing for IGN.com. So that's where you have to start, everyone. Uh, with Fallout Boy. Come a long way. Yes, with Fallout Boy. Yes. And it's, it's, I'm sure it'd be really gross. But it was like... It, Probably bad. The thing about Kingdom Hearts is that it's incredibly pleasant while also being incredibly heartfelt. And I think that a lot of games I had played prior to that tended to be gritty and dark and serious or very, very heartfelt uh, or, or very, very upbeat. And I feel like Kingdom Hearts does a really good job of making you care about the characters and of presenting some themes that are kind of serious and characters that are going through some stuff while also still being really, really happy and fun. And I think that's a very difficult balance to strike oh, yeah. that, that one and two, I think, did beautifully. I haven't played all the other the 10 of the other ones that they have. Um, but I'm <laughs> sure that was a great two. Yeah, and so like, that's the thing is like, while you're playing this game, it takes so long to get through, especially for me about a young age, like, they become your friends. And yeah. I thought like Donald was great because he's just a duck. But I didn't really care about him that much because he's a bitter duck. And then <laughs> when, we, when, when he was my mage though, I was like, now you're a great duck. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> Goofy, I like Goofy because uh, the Goofy movie and Goofy had his own stuff going on. So he was already good in my book. And then I just felt close to them. And of course, Sora and Riku and Kairi. And it's just. Yeah. I grew up in a very Disney household. So the thing that made me want to get the game was they had advertisements for it on the Disney channel, like in between episodes yeah. of shows. And they were like showing you bits of gameplay. And it was like, oh, you're swinging through the vines with Tarzan and then Simba appears. And I was like, this is the most amazing game of all time. And just, <laughs> like, just that was what I was raised on. So I needed this yeah. game. I didn't know Final Fantasy at all. But jumping into that and being able to explore what felt like familiar friends in a brand new setting was I think what hooked me so And I, I still feel that way about three, right? Yeah. Like even now I, I'm an adult and I'm still like, well I get to hang out with these Disney characters. 
Yeah. This, this, this Toy Story in here. Get to hang out with Woody and Buzz. That's the best thing ever. And I think that like a, a lot of people who like Disney to have it in a in a video game that isn't a mobile game that isn't free to play that isn't just like trying to monetize itself aggressively i think that 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 is why people are going to play kingdom hearts 3 as well and i'm kind of excited about the fact that it's finally hopefully coming out please don't get delayed that the idea that there are all these people who've never played kingdom hearts before that will still get into it because disney is still such a big brand and it's exciting so another game i did play on playstation 2 was this disney party game and there's like Mickey and Minnie and all the core characters. So there is another game. Just think about other Disney games out there. They also have that. Oh, uh, here. You want me to tie this back? There's that PS1 Magic Mickey game. Uh, I mean, there's ooh, other uh, Disney so games that are fun. But Mickey the, Mania. The book? Okay. Mickey Mania oh. for the, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System was directed by David Jaffe, who later went on to be Twisted Metal. <laughs> he did. We're getting deep here, all right? I'm going to look it up. So, like, I, I don't know. I, that's, that's, <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. I... I don't like Kingdom Hearts. It makes me. It, I feel weird about it. I hey, don't understand okay. it. No, it's yeah. not because people on Twitter are mad at me, and I don't hey, know how to react you know to that. that. You <laughs> can also not like things, and that's okay because it doesn't mean it's any less important. That's true. No, but yeah. I, I wish I, I wish I did like it because like there's a lot of stuff yeah. in there that I do like, but it's it's almost like too many things to like. Okay. Obviously, I like pineapples. <laughs> I have weird taste in things. I'm, I think pineapples are the king of fruits. They have little crowns and everything. I don't like them on pizza. I don't no. think that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's, a div- it's a divisive stance. It's a, it's a it, divisive stance. Who it in is. this room, is, put your hand up if you are pro We're pineapple not doing, on no, pizza. We don't, we, we. All right, put your hands up if you are against. <sighs> Wow, it's that's actually like great. super easy. Like, yeah, it's no, totally I know. Right. It's, the, wow. it's the Bush Gore election. Wow. It's, it's, a, it's like a wreck. The, uh, the middle ground of like, you don't really care, but you'll eat if it's in front of you. That's me. Like, I'm not going to order it. Oh, no, I will take it. that shit. I've, yeah, so I, I don't know. I've, it's I don't really if it's like it. really good pineapple. But anyway, the point is, I, 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 made a, I made a tweet a while ago as a joke, and I was like, Kingdom Hearts is like pineapple on pizza, mixing two great things together. And if you like it, you're wrong and bad. <laughs> and how did that go? I learned very quickly. Did you follow it up by saying that you that hate Sonic? <laughs> I did that in a separate tweet. <laughs> no, I learned very quickly. Did you open the show with Sonic? Kingdom. Yeah. I think I think Sonic's fine. He likes to run. He hates that Eggman. It's he fine. goes Whatever. pretty fast. Um, I'm He's not like it. I'm like a weird kind of fair weather Disney fan. Like there's a handful of Disney movies I really like, and then for the most part I'm like, oh, it's it's fine, you know. And with with Square stuff, I'm like, oh, like yeah, it's awesome. And I remember when Kingdom Hearts came out, I was like, this would be great if you didn't have all that Disney stuff in there, because I was like, Aww. I was like, I don't know, like I was like, give me like show me a new Final Fantasy game with this with this stuff, you know. Right. Uh, and it, it felt like it, it was like almost like a distraction, and clearly that was an appeal to a lot of people. And I remember right. at that point too, if you were if you were into like Japanese stuff, you were like weeaboo wasn't a word yet. Like that wasn't. <laughs> it still isn't. Um, you were like a, you were an anime fan. That was like oh, you got to you got to like fight to defend yourself. You got to like you got to really go after the, the the stuff you're into and and stick to it. And then for them to be like, oh, it's a, it's a new Final Fantasy game, and Donald Duck is in it. You're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what is, where did this come from? And clearly, that didn't scare off a lot of people, and that was their stepping stone into getting into that. And I appreciate that, but it's also, it's one of those things that I'm never going to really fully grasp. So, also, yeah. what year did the first Kingdom Hearts come out? Uh, 2002. I think, at, yeah, for me, it was very much like it hit me at just the right time. Where I like, think same for me. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah we're all around oh, we're the same also, age, yeah. and I think that's... Yeah. A big factor of it too. Yeah, we're all around 35. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like getting out of childhood where I was raised on Disney but also wanted something like a little older at that point. So there was this mix of like the Final Fantasy characters and I had had that one experience with eight where I was like, oh, that's a mature series. 
and then knowing how much I like Disney, <laughs> like the combination of those two struck me so much. And then I didn't realize until retrospect later that the theme of friendship that it pushes so much in that game, and obviously Disney does in so many of its movies, is that like when Sora has that line of like, my friends are my power. Like, yeah. that's what matters to me. And like, my family has always been my friends throughout my life. This got real sappy, sorry. Oh. Uh, like that stuck with me so much, especially after one and two came out and I realized, oh, that's why this stuck with me. It hit me just at that right time. Right, I mean like that friendship theme is like so prevalent in a lot of Disney movies and kids movies, and especially like with anime geared toward younger kids. Yeah. Um, just because that is a powerful thing to learn early on, right? Because friends are really important. Yeah. No, the anime. thing about leaving at the end, you guys. I, oh, I like that's that we. The hottest thing about this being my lost dance. I know. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to do this? Do you want to cry now, or you want to? No, no. Cry? Why not cry? No, it's no. Cry. no, it's fine. Kingdom Hearts is not making me cry right now. Oh. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, Jonathan, you opened this up saying that video games are a thing that bring people together, and clearly, looking around this room, yes, they are. Uh, and, I mean, you know, we don't always agree on which games are best or which should have Kingdom Donald Hearts. Duck in them, uh, but <laughs> if he shows up in Metal Gear, I'm, I'm all on board. It's going to be great. <laughs> cool. yeah. Finally, we'll have something um, to comment for but no, I mean that's that's the magic of them. There, it's a wonderful kind of it's a it's a, a medium that, that wraps people up and draws them in, and then you go and you turn to the person next to you and you go, holy shit, did you see what just happened? Or let me tell you about the thing that I did, and and you you bond with people, and that's awesome, and it's so cool to see a room full of people who are all here gathered around because they love video games. So thank you all so much for coming by uh, and for hanging out with us. Uh, we're going to open things up for a Q and A in a section in a, in a second, but uh, this is the end of the recorded section. So. Uh, yeah, thank you to everybody who was up here. Uh, Jonathan, Alana, uh, Miranda, Zachary, Barrett, Casey, David, Stephen, Robert. Beyond! He's just making up names. Uh, beyond! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess, I don't know, beyond, that's it. Beyond. Beyond? Beyond! beyond. There we go. Beyond! beyond. The power's going to your head! <laughs>